one of the things we want to do today is we want to look at Luke chapter 4, because what we see in Luke chapter 4 is the defeat of the powers of darkness. When we look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, what we see is Satan and his powers ultimately defeated. That's what the resurrection proved. That's what the resurrection brought. But when we go to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 4, what we see is the beginning of the end to Satan's power, to Satan's rule. Before Christ came in the flesh, what the Bible shows us and what the Bible teaches us is that this world was under bondage to Satan and his demons. The Bible looks at Satan and calls him our adversary. It calls him the God of this age. It calls him the ruler and the authority of the air. But in the resurrection, Christ put the last nail in his coffin. And what we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 in our passage today, verses 31 through 37, is the beginning of the end when Jesus meets his first demon. And so what we want to ask is a simple question. What did the demons know? What did the demons know about Jesus that the rest of the people in Galilee didn't know because they knew something? And in this demon's short speech to Jesus, in this short conversation, we learn what they already knew. The first thing we can see when we, when we read about what this demon said is found in verse 34. Look at verse 34. The demon, when Jesus is standing in the synagogue and he is teaching, the demon says, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. What we find is that the identity of Jesus is crucial. And when the demons looked at Jesus of Nazareth, what they knew is that he is the Holy One of God. This word holy means to be separate, to be set apart. Oftentimes when you read the Old Testament narratives, it talks about something holy. It talks about uh, an instrument used in the temple. So if I go to your cabinets at, at your house, or you come to my house and you go through my cabinets, which that would be weird. We typically don't like go through each other's cabinets. But if we did that, we would find very common things, wouldn't we? We would find plates. We would find cups. We would find utensils. But when it came to the worship of God in the temple in the Old Testament, when it came to the worship of God in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, they had many of those same things. They had plates, they had cups, they had utensils, but they were set apart to be used for the worship of God only. They were holy, set apart to be used for the purposes of God. And one of the things that Bible is very clear about is you don't take something that is common and use it for God's purposes. So, for example, you have the story of Nadab and Abihu. They were Aaron's sons, sons of the high priest. And God said, I don't want you to take what is common and use it for something that is holy. But one day they were preparing for worship and they were a bit lazy. And they said, we know that the law of God says we need a holy fire, a fire set apart for the use of worship for God. But we've already got this fire over here. We've, we've already got this cook fire going. Why start a whole new fire for the worship of God when we've got this old fire over here? 
So they took a, a common fire, what the Bible calls a strange fire, and they use it for the worship of God. And what we find is when they did that, they were utterly destroyed because they took something that was unholy, something that was common, and tried to use it for holy purposes. Whenever the demon looked at Jesus, the demon said, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. You are the one who is set apart by the Father to wage war against us. You are the Holy One of God. You are the one who has come to lay his life down for the sins of the many. The Holy One of God. You are the one who came to lift his life back up from the grave to redeem a people for God the Father himself. You are the Holy One of God. The demon knew who Jesus was. And like it says in the book of James chapter 2, the demons believed and they trembled. They believed and they trembled. Why? Because they knew the power and the strength of the Holy One of God. They knew that Jesus came into this world for the purpose of crushing the head of the serpent. He came to crush Satan and his forces to bring peace on earth. It makes me think about how often we come to Jesus. That when we come to Jesus, do we treat him as the Holy One of God? When we come to Jesus, do we come to him as the one whom the demons know and fear and tremble? Or do we come to him lightly? How do we come to Jesus? Jesus demands strong reactions from people, doesn't he? The demons saw him and they knew their destruction was upon him. The Pharisees saw him and they wanted to murder him and do away with him. The rulers of the Jews wanted to do the same thing. Jesus demands strong reactions. The disciples knew who Jesus was and they devoted their lives to the point of death and following him. How do we appoint, how do we follow after Jesus? You know, it's interesting, whenever you read the New Testament and the reactions that Jesus prompts, not one person looks at Jesus and says, you know, I think I'm going to use Jesus as my hobby. Not one. Not one person in the Bible says, you know what, I, I just want to live life on my own, but I want to be a spiritual person. So I'm going to just sprinkle a little Jesus sauce in my life and put some pictures up on my wall so, I'm, so I have some spirituality. No one does that in the New Testament. Because they knew if they were going to devote their lives to Christ, it was going to come at a sacrifice. That when Christ calls a man, when Christ calls a woman, he bids them to come and die. When we look around this room as we did earlier, you know what I don't want? I don't want a church that's just about being a church where we can look around and pat ourselves on the back and say, man, aren't we doing good? We're so much bigger than we were last Easter. We're doing so much better now because we're bigger and we're adding more programs. That's worthless. 
if we are not on mission for God. When I look around this room and I see saints who have been delivered by the blood of the Lamb, what I want to see are people who will rise up and who will spend their lives on Christ because that's what Christ demands. It's not enough to make church an activity that you do once a year at Easter, twice a year at Easter and Christmas, once a week even, but that Christ calls us into his kingdom to spend our lives every day for him. What does that look like for you? Are you one when you look at your life and say, you know, I kind of treat Jesus like my hobby. I kind of just want to be a spiritual person like so many in our society today and just sprinkle a little Jesus sauce on my life every now and again so, so I can feel good about my walk. Or are you someone who is saying, I am going to spend my life and I am going to spend my resources telling other people about who this King of Kings is? because he's worth it. Christ Community Church, as our society continues to spiral out of control, our world and our society is going to need people who will stand for Christ. Our world and our society are going to need people who approach Jesus as the Holy One and who looks at their lives and their sins and they say, I don't want any more of it because it's a weight and it's a hindrance to me spending my life on the kingdom of God. Let us approach Jesus as the Holy One. The second thing we see in our passage is not only does the demon know that Jesus is the Holy One, but they also know and knew that Jesus was one with authority. In fact, it says this in verse 31, that he went around teaching in Galilee to the different synagogues on the Sabbath, And it says when he was teaching that the people were were amazed and they were astonished at his teaching because he taught with authority. What does that mean, that he taught with authority or he taught with power? In this day, many of the rabbis who would travel around from synagogue to synagogue would travel around and they would teach, but they would teach underneath the authority and the power of their rabbi. They would say something along the lines of, you know what scripture says and what and what the rabbi Hillel says, and they would then teach underneath the authority of a different rabbi. But when Jesus came along teaching, he did not need to teach underneath the authority or the power of a famous rabbi, because Jesus is the Word of God. He's the one that breathed it out into existence. And so when he spoke of the Word of God, he spoke with this familiarity and this power, and the people were astonished at it. Scripture was his to interpret because he's the one that wrote it. The demon knew that when Jesus spoke, that Jesus spoke with one of the authority of the creator of the universe. And when Jesus spoke to that demon and said, I want you to be quiet and I want you to come out of that man, that the demon didn't, didn't rebel. He didn't talk back to Jesus as, as as a disobedient child might, but what did he do? He threw himself down in order to get out of the man. Why? Because Jesus was one with authority. And we see Jesus using his authority throughout his ministry. I want to look at a few passages so we can see how Jesus uses his power and uses his authority. 
John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. This is what Jesus says. He says, This is why my Father loves me, because I lay my life down so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. And I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Do you remember when Jesus was betrayed by Judas and Peter took out a sword and and chopped off a servant's ear? And Jesus said, put your sword away, Peter. If I wanted to, I could call down 12 legions of angels. What they're about to do to me by hanging me on the cross is something I am letting them do. It has a purpose. And the purpose is the forgiveness of many sins. And just as I have the right and the authority to lay down my life, I have the right and I have the authority to take it up again. What is Jesus doing with his authority? Jesus is forgiving sins with his authority. Jesus laid down his life and he took it back up again with his authority. And we know that there is no under name under heaven by which man or woman can be saved, but it's by Christ alone. He is the only way to be made right with God. And brothers and sisters, we have this precious gift. What are we going to do with it? Because you know what else Jesus did with his authority? After he rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven, he says this in the book of Matthew chapter 28. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What authority does Satan and the demons have at this point in time? Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, all the authority in heaven and earth. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of of the age. What did Jesus do with his authority? The creator and the sustainer of the universe, what did he do with it? He laid his life down for you. He rose in power to seal the fate of Satan and to seal your redemption. And he's given you this treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I want you to take it out. I want you to let everyone else know about this. Right now, we have a ton of kids in our service, right? There is nothing to make a pastor happier than like hearing babies cry in the service, right? It means there's life. It means that there are these tiny disciples in our midst. Parents, you have been given by Jesus the task of training your children up in the faith. That they would one day say, the evangelist that taught me to love Jesus was my mother, was my father, was my grandparent. Everyone else in here who doesn't have a child with them today, your job is to love the children in this midst. To continue to pour into them. It might be in the nursery. It might be in children's church. It might be passing them in the hall. 
but giving them this gospel, this truth that God has given to us. Because that, this might sound bad, this is what happens when you, when you wing it. This might sound bad, but they're the low-hanging fruit of people we can share the gospel with. But God did not tell us to stay with the low-hanging fruit, those who are here in our midst, but he said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to dark places where there is no light, and I want you to take light with you. I don't know if you know this or not, but many people consider the Colleen, Fort Hood, Harker Heights area to be a dark place. A place that's in the news often for its violence, for its suicide, for its abuse. You are not here by accident, but the providence of God has placed you in this community for the purpose of being His light in darkness. And light is at its brightest whenever it's the darkest. Be the light of Christ. Use the authority that God has given to you to take that gospel message out to your community. Because we see this last thing that Christ has done in this passage. Jesus is the Holy One. He has the authority over the evil in this world. But it also gives us this beautiful truth that when Jesus came, He came to set the captives free. Earlier in this chapter, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And He said, I'm here to proclaim liberty for those who are captive. And what we have in this text of Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 47, is a man who is held captive. He is held captive to an evil spirit that possesses him. And when Jesus came and began to teach, look at what the demon said. He said, leave us alone. Leave us alone, Jesus. Now we have stories in the scripture of people being possessed by more than one demon. But when that happens, it always says there were multiple demons. Here, it just says there was a demon possessed in a man. It's almost like the demon was saying, Jesus, I want you to leave me alone, and I want you to leave the man that I possess alone. Leave us alone. Have you come to destroy us? Because what that demon wanted, because he knew the power of Jesus, he knew he was the Holy One, what that demon wanted was to take the life of the man that he possessed. Leave us alone. Have you come to destroy us? And it's almost like Jesus was saying, I've not come to destroy the both of you, but I've just come to destroy you, demon. I've come to set that man free from your power. And Jesus commanded the demon to come out of the man. And with (laughs) great speed, he left. We have to realize that Jesus came to set the captives free. That with the coming of the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, this Satan's chokehold on our world has been broken and his power has been limited. I'm not sure if you're on social media or watch the news. Have y'all heard about the Satan shoes? Satan shoes, there is a, there is a musician 
who decided to make some money, so he got 666 Nikes. So it wasn't a thing that Nike did, just to like give them a, a pass here. So it wasn't a thing that Nike did, but this rapper got 666 Nikes, and he designed them. He put the number 666 on them. He put an inverted cross on there. He put a pentagram on there. He put a drop of human blood in each sole of those shoes. And then he put on there a verse from the Bible, the verse found in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said, I watch Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That sounds, I guess, cool to the rapper. I watch Satan come down like lightning. But what he did not do is he didn't look at the context of Scripture. I think they were trying to, to elevate Satan by doing those shoes, by putting Luke chapter 10, verse 18 on there. But what did they really put, put on the shoes? They put a verse on the shoes about Satan's defeat. That passage in the book of Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 disciples and they go out proclaiming the good news and they said, Jesus, it's amazing. We're able to heal people like you. The demons in your name, they listen to us. We're able to proclaim the good news. And Jesus said, I tell you, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus was saying that when Satan fell from heaven like lightning, he was saying, disciples, you drop Satan like a box of rocks. You just like knocked him out. The match is over. Why? Because Jesus has come in his power and in his authority to defeat the powers of darkness. Christ Community Church. Christ has come to set captives free. And I wonder how many of us in here feel like captives still. That we have sin in our life that weights us down, that entangles us, and we want to be rid of it, but we just feel like we are in shackles. And Jesus' words to you today is this. I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. We've dropped him. He is defeated and his power is limited. I'm not saying he's not around anymore. He's like a snake. I don't know if any of you are like grew up in the country, but you know if you like kill a snake, you know it can still bright, right? <laughs> so you want to chop its head off. You want to bury it because it can still do you damage. So Satan is bound, his power is limited, but he can still sting. But you, Christian, you are free. Christ has removed the chains from your sins that bound you. He's saying you don't have to walk in them anymore. Listen to this promise, what it says in Colossians chapter 2 about Jesus. Jesus erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed 
the rulers and the powers and the authorities, and he disgraced them publicly, and he triumphed over them. What is Jesus saying? He is saying that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, you are a captive that's been set free. You are a captive that's been set free. So as you fight your sin, you don't fight it saying, I wish I could get these chains off so I can fight my sin. But you fight your sin as one who is free. Not in your own strength, not in your own ability, but only in the strength that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. It is easy to look at the sin in our lives and be discouraged. It's easy to look at the darkness in our world and be discouraged. But today, we are reminded that we can rejoice. We can rejoice because the Holy One, Jesus Christ, has used His authority to lay down His life and to take it up again, to overcome the dark spiritual forces in our world, to overcome the sin in our life. Delight in this phrase. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. Let's pray.